0: Hi there. Last episode, I promised a return to the Empire, to the battlegrounds of Syria, and the Egyptians' struggle to maintain their control over their vassals in the Near East. I've changed that schedule slightly so that I could focus on writing an episode with slightly more cheerful tones. Not to worry, the political and military stuff will come soon. For now, something lighter. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the History of Egypt podcast, episode 122, Letters from the Capital. Today, we take a look at some smaller details of daily life in the city of Akhet Aten, Amarna. We're going to forget the pharaoh for a moment, and spend some time with ordinary men and women, their stories, their concerns, their equally meaningful lives. This episode is brought to you by everyone who supports the show on Patreon. My thanks to Kevin, Yaga, and Skip, who became overseer-level backers and have stuck with me since 2018. You are too kind, folks. Thank you for your support. To everyone listening, I hope you are well, and I hope you enjoy the show. The city of Arket Aten, Pharaoh's royal residence, was now a sprawling urban environment. It stretched across several square kilometers, and it had distinct suburbs, sections with their own character and purpose. From the royal quarter, dominated by temples and palaces, to the elite estates with their servants and workers attached, to the distant communities of the tomb builders, Pharaoh's new city had become a massive, complex settlement. Moving through this environment, thousands of men, women, and children made their home in the shadow of Pharaoh. Their houses were not palaces, but small compounds, two or three rooms each. Their furnishings and possessions were humbler, mostly ceramic or mud brick. Their adornments were not gold, but faience, a kind of artificial stone, blue-green in colour, which factories at the city produced in huge quantities. Instead of ornate, bejeweled lives, we imagine something more real. Cramped dwellings, the sound of the neighbours arguing, the smell of a dozen cook fires wafting through the streets. Dirt, muck, and sand everywhere. Within the suburbs of Amana, the real lives of Akhenaten's subjects played out day to day in quiet anonymity. Many of these stories are lost to time. Most conversations and relationships were never written down, and without that record, we are left with a few scant traces. Fortunately, a couple of pieces do survive, particularly in the form of letters, excavated at the city and written by its inhabitants. The best examples are the letters of a man named ra Ra Mosa worked in one of the royal palaces. His official title was Chet Segenen, literally the heater of oil. We tend to translate this as unguent or ointment preparer. We don't know much about this man, Ra Mosa. He didn't have a tomb or a fabulous house, but his life emerges in small fragments from a pair of letters discovered at the city. These letters seem to record Ra moses life after he had lived at Akhetaten Aten for a few years. They are written on papyrus, which unfortunately are badly damaged, so they are fragmentary with lots of gaps. Working around those, we can get a little sense of this man's life and his business at the capital city. Ra moses sent at least two letters which survive. They were addressed to two different people. The first letter is addressed to Ramos's brother, a scribe of the treasury, and it goes as follows. Quote, the unguent preparer of the house of the princess Merit Aten, named Ramosa, greets his brother, the treasury scribe Meh. In life, prosperity and health, and in the favour of the living Aten every day. How are you, Meh? Are you alright? I'm alright. Now, here I am calling upon the Aten Life Prosperity Health, in the city of Akhet Aten Life Prosperity Health, to keep you healthy every day, and to keep you in the favour of the princess Merit Aten. I am carrying on my occupation in the house of the great lady. Now, what is the meaning of this that you do not write to me, telling me about your state of health? It is my desire to learn of your condition each and every day. Now, see, you know that I am exceedingly concerned about you. Please tell a lady that they both know the name is lost. Please tell the lady what you have done for Towi, and tell the lady to send the woman that Towi wrote to me about. Grant me that which I am requesting, for I have no woman here with me. I promise that the woman you send shall have recourse to whomever she should have recourse. Now, if the woman gives heed to you to come to me, take her, give her bread, beer, and whatever else she may request. But if she says, I won't give heed to you, write to me straight away, so that I may appeal to the magistrates, because to do or not to do is a matter of law. Anyway, may the Aten provide me with guidance, so I said, and so he, the Aten, has provided me with guidance, and servants whom he asked for. End quote. This letter may sound strange and hard to understand. The gist of it is relatively simple, though. Ramosa wrote a letter to his brother, quote unquote, the scribe of the treasury named Meh. Great name, by the way. Ramosa was in need. First of all, he wanted to know how his friend was faring. And secondly, he also wanted to deal with a delicate little matter. Ramosa was lacking in the housemate department. He didn't have a wife or any female siblings living with him. He did have a sister, but she was elsewhere, and we'll come back to her in a moment. Basically, Ramosa was living effectively alone in the new royal city, which may have felt a bit isolating. Ramosa wanted to resolve the situation, but he was having a bit of trouble finding a woman. So Ramosa wrote to Meh, asking him to help with this matter. Apparently there was a woman, whose name is unknown, in the general extended household. Perhaps this was a servant, or an unmarried cousin, or some such. We don't know, because this part of the text is broken, so the name or title of the lady in question is lost. Unfortunate. What we do know is that Ramosa wanted this woman to come live with him, and he felt strongly enough about the issue that he was willing to use the magistrates as his law enforcers. Rahmosa asked Meh to send the woman, and if she wasn't willing, then he would turn to the magistrates to have the matter resolved. Which rather begs the question, what exactly was going on here? Rahmosa's attempts to find a woman, or to obtain one he knew about, would be an ongoing situation, as we see in our next letter. Rahmosa's second letter went out to his sister, a woman named Sheri Ray. In it, the unguent preparer complains, again, about not receiving messages from his sister, and inquiring after her general well-being. It also comes back to his concerns with finding female company, someone to share his home with at the city. The second letter goes as follows. Quote. Address. The unguent preparer of the house of Merit Aten, Ramosa, to his sister, the lady of the house, Ray. Message. Ramosa greets his sister, sheri Rae, in life, prosperity, and health, and in the favour of the living Aten every day. He says, How are you? Are you alright? I'm alright. Here I am calling upon the Aten, life, prosperity, health, to keep you healthy each and every day, when he, the Aten, sets, and when he rises. Now, the matter at hand. What is the meaning of this, Your failing to write to me about your state of health? Do you not know that I am exceedingly concerned about you? Am I being too pushy about this? It has been a period of four years now that no letter has reached here from you. When my letter reaches you, and you read it, you should proceed to write back straight away, because I am concerned about you. Do not delay because of any reason." Keep watch over the things that are in your possession, because you can't imagine how I am living here without a woman with me. I can't find a person to bring the woman I've requested to me. A further matter, if it is my daughter who said, don't write back to him, then do not listen to her. Quote. Oh dear, Ramosa was really having trouble finding a woman, quote unquote, to be his housemate and it sounds like there was also difficulty between him and his sister, and him and his daughter. Apparently, Ramosa considered it a real possibility that his daughter, unnamed, who was perhaps living with Sherry Ray, had told her not to reply to his letters. Well, that sounds like a family problem we can all relate to in some way. Ramosa was obviously feeling rather put out. He hadn't received any letters, even from his sister, for years. Was something going on there? We may never know. But based on his two letters, it does sound as though Ramosa was having difficulty acquiring a woman to live with him as his housemate. He tried to have the scribe Meh send him someone, and he referenced the issue again when writing to Sherry Ray. But there seems to have been uncertainty regarding this woman's willingness to come live with him. Which has me wondering if, well, maybe Ramosa wasn't the most popular person in his social circle. I don't want to say that he was a bad guy or anything. Even if his attempts to procure a woman for his house seem questionable to us, the ancients would have viewed this situation quite differently. Passing his letters more carefully, perhaps we should have a little bit of empathy for Ramosa. Modern morality aside, it sounds like the man was having a tough time personally. We may find ourselves wondering if the man had earned this kind of problem. He certainly comes across as a little bit frustrating, and Ramosa himself acknowledges this by saying, quote, Am I being too pushy about this matter? Which is, you know, kind of cute. Really, I suspect that Ramosa was feeling lonely, and as the months and years went by with little to no communication from his family, maybe that feeling became quite painful. So, perhaps we should cut him some slack. The man sounds like he was hurting a little bit, either from isolation, or from a simple lack of something that he desperately needed. Matters like these raise the question, what was life like for the people who came to Akhet Aten, compared to those who didn't. Did the people who followed their pharaoh to the new city have regrets about their decision? Did they have a choice? Or did they pursue opportunity wherever possible, and suffered the consequences as necessary? These are hard questions to answer, but small letters like Ramos's give us a glimpse at the social lives and mental health of pharaoh's subjects. Ramosa adds a couple of postscripts, P.S., to his letter. Following up on his concerns, he adds a couple of supplementary messages to friends and colleagues back home. In his letter to Sherry Ray, he finishes by saying, quote, Also, a communication to Toi. I say to him, How are you? Are you all right? Here, I am saying to the Aten, Life, Prosperity, Health, Be happy, be well. Behold, I am all right, I have been provided with guidance by the Aten. A further communication to Toei's brother, Sechen the same message as I have said for Toei. A further, further communication to the administrator, Hui, the same message again. Finally, a communication to Weri, saying, It is only because no one of your people came that I have not written to you. End quote. Basically, the man sounds a little bit frustrated, no communication from his family or even some of his friends, a sense of isolation, of silence perhaps, weighing on his shoulders and making Ramosa desperate for contact, and, if possible, company at his new home. We have these two letters written by Ramosa, one to his sister and one to the scribe Meh. That scribe also shows up in a third letter from a different source and from this letter we get a little bit of information about what Meh, the scribe of the treasury, did in his day job. A short letter discovered at Amarna shows the communication which Meh, as a scribe of the treasury, received from one of his colleagues. It's pretty brief, a request for some materials, but it reveals more than it seems. The letter goes, The scribe Mai of the city of Asiut, writes to the scribe Meh, saying, “Write back to me, please issue some gypsum for the house of Sahetep Aten Life Prosperity Health, and for the house of Neb Mahatray Amunhotep II, Life Prosperity Health. End quote. This tiny letter is cute. First of all, we get the sense that maybe Meh isn't the best communicator. Even in his actual job with official correspondence to deal with, The letter writer beseeches meh to reply to his message. It seems like this treasury scribe might have been a little bit tardy when it came to replying. Now, given the literacy rate in ancient Egypt, possibly as low as 1 or 2%, we can assume that the etiquette of letter writing was probably slightly different. Probably not every message needed a written response. But it definitely sounds like Mai of Asyut was expecting a letter from Meh, and he hadn't received it. Which is kind of funny, I like the idea that this random treasury scribe, who shows up in two separate sets of correspondence, seems to have a habit of not responding promptly. That's just a charming little detail that we might not have had otherwise. The people behind these letters are part of the Egyptian middle class. Not incredibly wealthy, not incredibly well connected prosperous compared to most people but not at the top of the pack. Ramosa, for example, was a het segenen, the heater of oil or unguent preparer. He worked in one of the royal palaces, the so-called House of Merit Aten, which is Pharaoh's eldest daughter. With this in mind, we can imagine Ramose's day-to-day job in a little bit of detail. As a het-segenen, heater of oil, Ramosa was perhaps responsible for preparing the ingredients that went into Merit Aten's cosmetic and health routine. If so, we can guess that Ramosa worked with products like olive oil, moringa, linseed, and safflower. We know that these were used in Egyptian cosmetics because all of them show up in the tomb of Tutankhamun just a few years after these events. So, we can imagine Ramosa crouched over a flame, carefully stirring oils, preparing cosmetics. Then, he stored them in jars for delivery to the chambers of the princess. Finally, his handiwork wound up applied to the skin of Pharaoh's daughter, married Aten herself. Meh, meanwhile, was a simple scribe, a clerk, such a great name. He handled inventories and accounts, considered requests for goods, and saw that necessary supplies got where they needed to go. In the context of his letters, it seems that a man like Meh could even be involved in providing construction materials for buildings. The gypsum which his colleague requested shows up at Amarna as a sort of prototype concrete mixed with limestone and water to produce a simple but effective mortar. So Meh, the unobtrusive bureaucrat, played his part to make those enormous monuments rise and endure. These small fragments, glimpses of people's lives, may not seem like the stuff from which history is made. And yet, I sometimes find these pieces more evocative than a hundred royal statues. While we can gaze into the face of Akhenaten and wonder at the mystery of his thoughts, here we actually have thoughts. Thoughts belonging to people whose lives were as real, as immediate, and as meaningful as the king's. As a man like Ramosa scurried from his small home to the workshop where he prepared oils, as a scribe like Meh went from his small dwelling to an office piled with records and correspondence, we can imagine these people bustling, trying to keep up with the day's demands. Whether it was a princess who wanted just the right combination of scents for her perfume, or the pile of letters which a scribe just never quite got around to replying to, fragments like these paint the real pictures of life in an ancient community. They are tiny, and they are damaged, but still, they are the insights that we crave into lives just as complex as our own. Was the Sphinx 10,000 years old? Were there serial killers in ancient Greece and Rome? What were the lives of transgender, intersex, and non-binary people like in the ancient world? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. We tell you true stories and tall tales of the ancient world. Sometimes we do it tipsy. Sometimes we have amazing guests on our show, historians like Barry Strauss, podcasters like Live, Albert, Mike Duncan, and authors like Joanne Harris and Ben Aronovich. We take you to the top of Hadrian's Wall to watch the Roman Empire fall at the end of the world. We walk the catacombs beneath the Temple of the Feathered Serpent under Teotihuacan. We walk the sacred spirals of the Lines in search of ancient secrets. And we explore mythology from ancient cultures around the world. Come find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, we have a brief but evocative little record. This takes the form of a Shabti figurine, one of the small model people designed to act on behalf of the deceased. When a person reached the afterlife, the Shabti in their grave would come to life, ready to do all the menial tasks and labour which were required in the eternal lands. This particular Shabti belonged to a woman named P. P. was not middle class, she was a member of the royal court, called a favourite or ornament of the king. Usually we imagine this as a sort of lady in waiting type one there to be seen, provide some glamour, but background to the official business. Whether that's accurate or not, P's life is, in its own way, just as obscure as those of Ramosa and Meh. More so, really, because P was female in a patriarchal society, and she didn't have the opportunities for professional recognition, which even a middle-class bureaucrat enjoyed. Yes, she enjoyed the comforts of the palace, at least in daily business. But class aside, P's hopes and dreams were equally meaningful, and on this little Shabti figure, we see how simple those hopes could be. The Shabti figurine of the court lady P says, quote, May you breathe the fragrant breezes of the north wind. May you go forth into the sky on the arm of the living Aten." your limbs protected, your heart content, without anything evil happening to your limbs, being whole, without decaying. May you follow the Aten when he rises at dawn, until his setting from life occurs. May water for your heart, bread into your belly, and clothing cover your limbs. O Shabti, if you are detailed for work, if you are summoned, if you are assessed for work, so you will say, "Here I am, I will do it." The true favorite of Wa N rei She whom the king adorned, the lady P. May she live, May she be healthy." End quote. That's all from me. I hope you have a great week. Take care, and I'll see you soon. The Civil War and Reconstruction was a pivotal era in American history, when a war was fought to save the Union and to free the slaves, and when the work to rebuild the nation after that war was over turned into a struggle to guarantee liberty and justice for all Americans. I'm Tracy, and I'm Rich, and we want to invite you to join us as we take an in-depth look at this pivotal era in American history. Look for the Civil War and Reconstruction wherever you find your podcasts.